Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Way Bobby Hears It. I believe we're on episode number six, and I've got one of my best friends um, through thick and thin and ups and downs, Brad Waldron from Cali Protectives. How are you doing, Brad? Oh, fantastic. Excited <laughs> to be here. Oh, man. I, I always come away with my face hurts from smiling too much when I'm around you. Um, before we get to just some fun conversations and real conversations with Brad, I certainly want to make sure uh, all those people who support me um, are taken care of. Uh, first and foremost, uh, this episode is brought to you by Cali Protectives. Uh, go to www.caliprotectives.com. Check out the helmet of protective gear, uh, pads, helmets especially. The technology is amazing. And has long been amazing, and the guy behind it is here with me today. And in uh, terms of a scale of 1 to 10, who's the smartest guy in the room? I don't even make a 1 compared to this cat. But hey, real quick, I want to run down some really key people. Uh, this, I want to thank all the folks at Santa Cruz Bicycles. Been with them for some 16 years. Cali Protectives, and Brad, I think it's been 12, man. Maybe 13. Maybe. Dude, we're, I'm not going to say it. We're young. <laughs> um, Cliff. <laughs> Uh, SR Sun to a great uh, suspension company, just uh, best bang for your buck out there. Lazine Crank Brothers, Census Grips, and if I don't mind saying for Census Grips, uh, pardon me for partying. Wiley X Sunglasses and Protective Eyewear, Royal Clothing, um, WTB. I want to introduce Cadis. It is, uh, provides readers that are the hippest thing in the world. If you want to look good and uh, help those old or young eyeballs, give them a whirl. And also 22 Alchemy, Dan Osterman, um, who helps me uh, produce the program, provides a lot of editing and technical support. And when it comes to that, it is absolutely necessary. But back at you, Brad Waldrum. Welcome, buddy. Like I said, it's awesome to be here. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> We've already been laughing. We haven't even seen I, before we got started. I know. And I, I just I have to say two of the greatest and favorite things I hear on a regular basis, and it does come from people who ride bikes, our bike world. I mean, for for, for us it's a it's a lifestyle, it's exercise, it's mental health, and in these current conditions it is uh Certainly very important that people get out and exercise those demons. And, um, but, you know, and in the bike world, I've, I've been involved with you. Wow. I was just asking, I think it's been 12 years because it was before I met Heidi and that's 10. So I, I, yeah, hard to believe. Well, before I get to that moment that we fell in love, I got to share with you two very cool things that happen now. On, on a regular basis is that, you know, people that are in our sport and I'm out riding, they'll, you know, they'll notice the helmet. They'll go, oh, Cali helmets, yeah. And again, I talked about that online presence that's increased, but also time in the sport with you and your development of helmets that are first and foremost about protecting the rider better, the technology. Hey, looking cool is one thing, but protecting my melon is first and foremost. But they look at the helmet, they recognize the name, and they ask me what model it might be, and they'll go, wait a minute, you're, you're Bobby McMullen, and you've <laughs> been with Cali forever. That brand association for me just makes me swell up like a proud brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And the other funny thing, you know, I'm wearing the Cali helmet. They're go, they'll, I have been, I won't say accused, I've been mistaken to be this good-looking guy named Brad Waldron. Hey, are you Brad Waldron? <laughs> like, <laughs> if Brad only knew. And then in other comments will say, are you, are you his brother? And that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, we've had people, yeah, I was at Whistler once, and, and somebody came up and said, hey, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> I love Bobby. No, Bobby. <laughs> but, nope. We're, uh, uh, what is it? Brothers from another mother, another time, another planet. But I was thinking of our history, and please jump in, uh, you know, any time. Um, you know, I was at Ashland uh, with Mount Ashland Adventures, Bill Russell, and he has a great shop, you know, and I was uh, at the time, you know, looking for uh, some protective gear, namely knee pads that were, you know, you could pedal with, that you could wear all day. Because you know me, I can't go out with a ride without slapping and need to protect my carcass. But, and he right away just said, you know what, I'm going to give you a contact to a guy. His name's Brad Waldron. And I had my hands on the pads in his shop, and I really liked the way they fit, the design. And, you know, I, I ended up actually buying some. And he goes, well, why don't you talk to, you know, Brad about this? So he gave me your number. And I called you, and it was, and this is my interpretation of events years ago. It's like you were waiting for my call. And immediately... We fell in this great conversation. What did I need? What was I looking for? And I don't know how we you know, transitioned into talking about helmets, but I was being supported by uh, a company that's uh, a fantastic company um, and uh, had been with them a couple years as I'd been in this since like 2004 as a visually impaired athlete and all the history behind it. And... I'm not sure if it was about 2006 or seven, actually, but um, I've been uh, partnered with you for a long time. And um, I remember that conversation and we talked about helmets and I learned so much in that first phone call. And it was never about, hey, why don't you, uh, you know, you need to come ride with me. Uh, I was being taken care of very well. And at the end of the conversation, again, I had learned volumes about what the about helmets and design and different densities foam and conehead construction. Um, and and I came away, you know, I'm thinking, and you go, you know what, Bobby, I'm going to send you a couple of helmets. Put them on, try them on. I'd just love your feedback. And I mentioned again, you know, hey, I've got an obligation. You're like, no worries. I just like your feedback. So they did. Some helmets showed up, a full face and a, and a, a XC helmet. And uh, that moment I put them on, the fit was good. I looked at the construction, and I remember you saying, you know, I don't care what you ride. I want you to ride something that you're comfortable in and provides you the best protection possible. It was never a pitch. And, I, and I, to this day, I am amazed in that that's your concern. And I think it stems from, I'm just totally talking over you, Brad. I'm so sorry, but I got to say this. Oh, it, good. It, it stems from something you said, and I can't put a, it's something I think you've said a couple of times when I've been around and also stuff you've said in interviews. It's that, you know, you are, you're in a position developing protective gear 
And all you really want is one to provide the best protective gear, protective helmets, a helmet for riders. Provide them the best protection and that you don't have to compromise. And you don't compromise. And the thing that stuck out is that, um, God, how was it you said it? Um, you would never, you, you, no one can ever say that you wouldn't, you, you said that, I don't know, uh, I wouldn't wear this or put it on my kid. Oh, yeah, no, I, it's true. Uh, I'm not going to put a helmet on the market that I wouldn't put on my own family. It's, you know, it's near and dear to me. I mean, I, I want everybody to get up and ride again. And, and it's true. I mean, look, the, the engineers at other companies, I know a lot of them. We know it's a small industry. They give a shit, too. You know, they, they want to do the best they can. I'm just super fortunate to be, you know, in a position where I don't have to go to you know, some corporate office to get permission to do what I do. Um, I, I get, I, you know, it stops here. And the number one focus we have is, is safety. And that's what we were founded on. Uh, in the, we're getting better at the look. We're getting better at the shape. We're getting better at the graphics. But that's not the number one thing. The number one thing is safety. We want you to get up and ride again. But ultimately, back to what you're saying is what's yep. the best helmet you can wear the helmet that you're going to put on your head yep. and if if you're stoked about troy lee's helmet and you'll put it on your head it's a good helmet too um you know i've actually had conversations with troy i sat in his office for two hours about a year and a half ago talking safety and you know that guy cares too um we have a little different philosophy on build and that's fine uh but <laughs> you get to know me I'm going to talk. Anybody who wants to talk about safety, I'm in. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a competitor. Uh, you know, we just want people to enjoy the sport that you and I both love so much. Well, I think something that jumped out just there is that when you said, I want people to go out and ride again. And I thought initially when you said that a minute ago was in response to the COVID-19 that you want people to get out and ride to get back out and then you qualified it. It's get back up again. Oh, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a, that is just it is that you want people to get back up again. <laughs> and, uh, that's always been, um, your focus. Uh, you know, when you talked about, you know, you're working on the looks I've never, well, then again, I am uh, legally blind as a fucking bat dude saying, yeah. I dig your helmet designs, man. <laughs> I love them. That's, that's why I asked. <laughs> and it's, and it's, yeah, I get, I, I love that. That looks great. How do you know? Well, I put my nose on, I've blown snot all over my helmets, but it's, it is, is that, uh, you know, I follow the sport. I follow the, the main, you know, much of the main, um, online sites and I, I look at comments and it's just amazing uh young and old the so long the um the prevailing approach to to helmet choice has been the way it looks and how many vents and learning what does it weigh how many holes yeah, how many holes and how much does it weigh and how it looks the paint job or you know I know there's a certain <laughs> An Af a previously mentioned company that has a very cool kind of shark thing on the back. And, you know, I know from, from you is that, you know what, the, any, anything like a vent, anything like a certain shape can, can hang up in a fall and, and cause, con you know, some con considerable damage if it 
you know, versus a helmet that's wrong. You know, yeah, um, those rotational forces. Rotational yeah. forces. And I'm going to jump ahead and just go right to it is that, you know, I, I, we have so much to talk about other than helmets. But the, the truth of the matter, too, is, though, I will, I will bet my garage of bikes on, and you know that's extensive, <laughs> that, you know, when I met you 10 years ago, you were talking about those things. You know, rotational forces, uh, you know, the... The LDLs, um, low-density, you know, foams, you know, the cone head construction, um, again, rotational forces. And y these are, ter this is terminology that was part of your everyday language. And I would say up until five or seven years ago, that was not what you heard across the industry when a new helmet would come out. It would talk about weight, venting, looks, you know, who's riding it. But first and foremost, I, I know, and I put Max on this to find the early articles and early quotes, you were the first guy in the industry to talk about the significance, the importance of protecting the rider through technology. And that was first and foremost. It was the function of how do I protect the rider better versus, wow, this is a great looking helmet and it's light and it's airy. And well, there's... There's lots of scientists that were doing research, uh, just not a lot of people necessarily listening to them. Um, I think Don Morgan, the inventor of Conehead, is a good example of that. Right. He's a physicist from Australia. He's, he's, he, that guy is so smart. I mean, the guy, he, he can't tie his shoes, but, you know, <laughs> give him a whiteboard and a math problem, and, man, he, he goes to town. But, you know, he was studying... Hey, I know a guy. I know a guy that built his office and all the walls are whiteboards. Who is yeah. that guy? <laughs> Sorry, yes. it's all good. Whiteboards are my life. Yeah, you need to you need to be able to write everything down as you think about it. Now, that came out out of. Um, I was super lucky, as you know, Bobby. I was in aerospace. I was an aerospace engineer in R and D, composite materials primarily, and we had rooms like that. And it, the idea was, you know, you had to you wanted to attack a problem. Everybody got a, a you know, a, a marker and you just, you know, started going to town and, and let ideas flow. And so uh, I'm a very visual person and being able to see it um, is super important to visualize it. Um, you just having it in front of you. And that way, when I'm talking to you, I can write it really big. Yeah. <laughs> and we can look at it together. But yeah, I have whiteboards everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody would listen to Don. So back to Don Morgan, nobody would listen to him. And, um, you know, I met him one day uh, and he had been doing some tests. He'd been studying bicycle accidents in children in Australia. And, you know, he said, why do we keep putting these beer coolers on these kids' heads? Can't we do better? And he had the idea of crumple zones. And that's essentially what the geometric shapes that Don came up with. And, you know, he came to me and said, hey, would you try this? And I, and, you know, now as we have a reputation for it, anything that's going to add safety to the helmet, I'm going to look at, I'm going to test it. I'm going to see if it works. So we went ahead and, and tried it in some helmets and the results were, were super positive. Um, we didn't just take Don's word for it, but um, we were the first to put Conehead into a helmet. We probably are still the most active at it. Now we've tried different shapes, cones inside cones, cones opposing cones. But again, it's just basically a crumple zone for your head. Well, All helmets are too hard. That's that I was ju you just read my mind. Um, 
was that you also were, you know, really, uh, you spoke out about helmets being too hard. Um, and that a lot of times those cool designs required them to make the foams harder. And I think a couple of things that stood out that you just mentioned things, um, you know, like dual density foam or conehead construction is that you never take credit. And one of the great things I think about genius and leadership is that you take, you are the first to say, well, that was not my idea that if you don't know, you're going to go find that answer and also take responsibility when things fail. But more to the point is that, you know, um, you, 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 we had discussions about MIPS. I, I learned about MIPS within the first couple of years I knew you. And you explained to me how it kind of worked and how it worked with rotational forces in the brain and how the brain was not s s fixed in your head that your brain rotates and moves and, you know, it has its own MIPS system inside your skull. And that, go ahead, man, go ahead. With, without, without MIPS, we wouldn't know as much about rotational forces as we do. Yeah. They really brought it to the forefront. Dr. Holder um, in Sweden followed that research, developed MIPS as something to slow the rotation of the brain. And nobody was talking about that before they came on the, the, on the scene. Well, that's 20 um, plus years ago, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That MIPS um, was a, a thing. Yep. What kept and, it from being jumped on sooner? Um, there's, R &D. there's, there was still a question about how, if it really just worked in the lab versus really worked in real life. Um, you know, a lot of people were skeptical. I mean, if you just take your fingers on your scalp and you have a natural slide there, right? The, the, I have a huge thing. slide, man. Huge. huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, even still today, that that argument, that question still comes into existence because, you know, for the most part, uh, we're testing helmets on a magnesium head form. And then in some cases, which is the requirement in the U.S., you, you, you use a magnesium head form to test. It doesn't have any skin on it. There's a, another head form you can use. It has rubber on it, but it doesn't slide like your scalp does. So <laughs> testing is so all over the map and the results we get in different labs. They, I, actually, there was something on Pink Bike yesterday that people were asking about testing. And, and um, we Is it we about the blow up, some of that. The blow up helmets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blow up, the, the blow up inflatable uh, helmet. Yeah. yeah, the inflatable helmet. Not the blow um, up doll I have here in my garage. Yeah, Not at all. You, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I can talk to that too. You are. But yeah, it's. it's <laughs> No, the, the helmet, not the dog. Oh, hey, I've been in <laughs> yeah. your warehouse. I know your workspace. There are all kinds of cool gadgets and stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a magnesium blow-up doll you're using for testing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, there's still some debate over whether it works. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that it does work. I've tested it. I've tested it in, in my helmets. I've tested it versus other systems. Um, I choose another system because I, the, the, what MIPS really does is it focuses primarily, well, its purpose is to reduce rotational forces. I believe all helmets are too hard, so I want to put something softer in there where the, the MIPS uh, has a, is a plastic thing that is between your head and the thing that's supposed to crush. Right, so right. linear Gs go up a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit. I want to start lower. Basically, our tests are, formed, are, are written from tests in the early 1970s. 
where they were dropping cadavers on their head. Yeah. And, you know, they took them. I, I always like to do this visual, like they held them by their ankles and dropped them. And, and I don't think that's how they really did it, but it looks good. Um, and, you know, and that's measured... what I do full time. <laughs> exactly. Trash test dummy. But... Um, and the, the, the pass fail criteria turned out to be skull fracture. They determined that it took 300 G's worth of force to crack a skull. That became the standard. That's all I have to do. Anybody still today, all we have to do is make sure when we put that slap that helmet onto that magnesium head form, that it doesn't, that the linear piezoelectric um, accelerometer doesn't exceed 300 G's. Well, and for people, G's is death. For people listening, what we're talking about is a dropping a test dummy of what back in the day it was cadavers and now it's different forms, but straight away onto the head. That direct impact, which is yep. the perfect impact that they're using still as a model, doesn't apply. There is no perfect impact, and this is where that discussion of MIPS, and I think you, you're using a system referred to as armor? Uh, well, it's it, it, we use what we call a low-density layer. There's right. different L materials right. LDL. we use. Sure. Yeah, armor, armor gel was a material. Armor um, gel. They, they renamed the company to reown something okay. about... Under Armour suing them for the name, which is kind of silly, <laughs> of course. but whatever. So, so now that's, that's the uh, company that, that Dr. Plant created. Okay. He's out of the Imperial College of London, and he was doing research on uh, dissipating energy, first uh, from the UK military on Humvees, where you would drive over the, drive over a bomb in a Humvee, and the Humvee would be fine because it's built like a brick shithouse, but everybody inside got thrown and killed. So how do you dissipate that energy? Mm -hmm. Well, Dan happened to be a big motorcycle rider, and, and he started dabbling in helmets. And we started um, uh, doing some research in his labs, and, and I learned a ton from him about rotational forces. One of my favorite stories that really solidified my, uh, my understanding of how the rotational forces work was he was also doing boxing studies. And he said to me, he goes, you know, an Olympic boxer – can't knock out another boxer with one punch. I'm like, what do you mean? I've seen knockouts. You see knockouts, but the issue is they wear headgear, so that helps reduce some of the, the, the blunt force trauma. They make them use thicker gloves than they do in pros, and for sure what they use in MMA. So how do they knock them out? Two punches, one to the one side of the head, one to the other side of the head, and get the brain rotating. So oh, what's happening inside wow. your skull Yeah, is you've got these different layers of the brain. And they're different viscosity. So as they rotate, they, they rotate at different rates. And the, the stringy things that your thoughts run through are called axions. Those things stretch and break. Well, you get enough rotation forces on there, and those things stretch and break, and boom, you go out. You get knocked out. We're pretty amazing beings, and we, we you know, can rewire ourselves after a, a, a hit. Um, but as you do more and more and more of these, the more of these break, and you just you run out of ways to rewire yourself. There you go, American football, right there. There, right. Oh wow, you yeah, you just just jumped right, right into it. I mean that the idea too is that you know the testing has always been very linear, very direct impact versus the rotational forces at hand. And you know I think a lot of people, the the consumer, the bike, the bike geek, those people looking for helmets. Um, that's, this hasn't been part of their language because when you say, well, better protection means, you know, um, you got to have harder foam and they don't understand, well, 
what, say, LDL and, and, and different densities foam mean and maybe explain how an impact works when it comes to helmet design. And this applies, sure. I think, to any helmet, whether it's a batter's helmet to protect against a, 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 a wary pitch or a NFL or college or high school players that, you know, how the, the dual densities affect the initial contact and how it works its way down. Sure. Well, um, first I'd say stay back to how many, how much force you take. Um, this is a study according to Dr. Plant that 80% of all bikes, bike accidents are below 100 Gs. Yet our standards are, all I got to do is make sure that my helmet can withstand 300 Can, can you break down 100 Gs for a coupe That's like a me? a hard hit. Okay. Okay. You, if you, if you, uh, again, same study. Um, if you experience 74 G's, that's the number, that's the magic number to get knocked out. Now there's, there's also uh, radiance per second squared, which is a different measurement of how fast your brain's spinning, but with pure linear G's, 74 G's. So how many times have you fallen, hit your head, know that you've had some level of brain trauma, but didn't get knocked out? Okay. Or wow. have you been with somebody that you know, you, you know, you, man, I know I had a concussion, but I never got knocked out. Too many. That was all below 74 G's. <laughs> I mean, just perspective. I mean, a, a person can fall off a, a bike and, and if a oh, fall, for sure, you know, and, and that's standing for still sure. and how many G's could, could they produce there? You know, just, just sta oh, you, rolling if out. You can't put your hands down. If you can't, if you, you can't roll out of that. You can easily hit over that 74 G's just falling. I mean, horseback riding is one of the one of the it's dangerous because you're sitting two meters off the ground. Yeah, or more between a horse being you know the back of the horse almost being two meters, plus you're sitting another meter above that. And if you fall straight off a horse, you 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 can get close to those 300 G's wow. if you don't have a helmet for sure. So, but. You, we're talking about two different dynamics, linear yeah. hits, and then you bring up the rotational hits. Right. I mean, we very rarely do you have a pure linear impact on a fall. You're you're going forward, your head spinning, and and you know, so you have both linear aspects to your to your fall and and an oblique impact to your fall. And they and we want to stop and slow down both of those. And you know, MIPS was one way. Our low density layer we like because. It both handles those those smaller hits and starts to re, uh, reduce the energy right away, and then those things roll over, fold over, and they're reducing the the spin that your that your brain would have had inside your skull. Okay, I mean you talk about okay the shell first point of contact, and then you've got a harder density foam on the outlying layer, and then a softer one, and then it's again you know mitigated by say the conehead technology and the technology that you're using along the lines of MIPS that keeps softening it as it gets to that point of contact uh, with, with your skull, with your head inside the helmet. And, yeah. you know, that the, let's say back in the beginning, um, I'm not sure if it was Bell or Giro that first came out with basically the foam helmets, right? Remember those yeah. that with the Lycra yeah. cover? Yep. I mean, I had a couple of them in my house that I used for pencil carriers, but I wore them. <laughs> and they yeah. went from basically, a f what type of foam was that that we were protecting our head with? 
it was still expanded polystyrene, similar to what we use now. Um, it's it's come a long way. It's it's but the base material is a, is an expanded polystyrene foam. Um, by the way, those helmets weren't all that bad. Um, the think about it, they're they're round. Yep. They were in very little vents. And what was some of the things that really drive your foam density up is vents. So as soon you still need a certain amount of volume of 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 foam to slow down this impact. Well, if you put more holes in this thing, well, now you've got to cram that foam into a tighter area. So your foam density goes up and then the impact gets harder. So so there's actually been a recent trend, especially on the well, both sides, I was gonna say on the roadside, but uh, of of less vents and, and it may have been more for aero than anything else, but um, that's actually better for you. It's safer because now you can get that foam density, that EPS foam density down lower. Huh. So that helmet wasn't horrible. It just wasn't, it, it was hot. It wasn't yeah. comfortable to wear. And then Jiro came out and invented the first, I think it was Jiro, uh, microshell helmet. The microshell, yep. That, you're on, yeah, I, I and, so. and what that did was that opened up a whole new world of design. It allowed for bigger vents. It allowed for, you know, we can get the weight way down, but at the same time, it was driving the density of the foam way up, and none of us really knew that much about it. It was back in the day. More vents, bigger vents, uh, you know, what's the what's the weight? Right. Hey, um, real quick, kind of jumping back a little bit, you talk about working with the London School of... The, well, the Imperial, Imperial College of... Imperial College of London. That's um, where Professor Plant uh, yeah. is, is a professor at. He has since, and he's still there, um, but he's also created a company called Rion, which um, is, you know, for lack of better, for kind of a D3O-ish mm -hmm. material um, that, that, you know, does harden on impact. We, we work very closely with them on shapes and, and materials. Uh, and, you know, we were involved with uh, some very early testing with them. We took, I think, 20 Shivas and sent it to them. Mm -hmm. That's my $600 helmet. <laughs> that, that was uh, a little it, painful. It's a, <laughs> but, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's what you do. It's what you do. It's a brilliant helmet. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just got to, I can't emphasize to my audience what a big brain this guy has. Now, you design helmets. You're the CEO, head engineer, designer, Head cook, bottle washer, first guy to grab a bike when never given a chance. And then you're the first guy to offer a person a beer. That's, you're just my guy. And yet you have this huge brain and wow. your background is amazing because, well, it, it, it poses a lot of things, uh, questions for me is that, you know, back to the, to the school. Now you've lectured there, haven't you? Haven't you been a guest lecturer in places? We've gone uh, to speak. I haven't gone there, but but I'll, you know anybody who wants to talk about helmets or Dude. really safety, I'll, I'll, <laughs> you, like, people, my wife is like, oh god, here he goes. Well, you know? I've, <laughs> I've seen you in action, and any time someone wants to ask about helmets, whether it's, well, can you improve the looks, or wow, this is you know you will segue into educating them about helmet design and how it's designed to protect people. And I remember the first time I actually met you in person was in Vegas. And it was early on in Cali's history. 
and I you were I think across the way from Pivot. I'm I'm just it's been a long time, and all you had was eight foot tables end to end, maybe three or four of them, <laughs> and you had these makeshift. You basically had stacks of helmets behind you, maybe one banner, and I remember walking up and you hollered at me and said, "Hey, Bobby. Hey, I'm Brad, and I'll be in a, there in a second. And you were in the process of giving away. And if there's one guy that's given away more product on just the, hey, try this, see how you like it, I'd love your feedback, you are the most <laughs> generous individual. And I would well, I see you. Bobby, I just got yelled at this morning by my warehouse manager. <laughs> he's like, who are you giving that away to? And it's still in <laughs> stock. I, just this morning, he's like, well, right. no, I mean, you, you have always been that guy, but also it's not just giving them a product and, and being generous and, hey, let's improve your, 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 let's improve the level of protection. It's that you educate people and always have. And I remember this scenario, crazy. There were people, I mean, it was like you were giving out free beer with a $100 bill. People were just crowding and your staff was pinned. And you're there talking, helmet in each hand to different people. And it wasn't about, like Vegas, you know, is, has been, Interbike was, is about deals and volume and terms. You were talking helmets, man. And, and it, it was amazing um, and that every person that picked up a helmet, you would take the time with to educate them. And it was always part of that conversation. Is, hey, whether you end up with a Cali helmet or not, I want you to have the best protection, you know, that you feel that, you know, that I want you to make a good choice based on, on information. But yeah, I just remember that. You have is the one you'll wear. Yep. And I just, you know, whether it's mine or somebody else's. That, that's from it. the start, you have been taking the time with people and the industry about helmets. And, you know, again, your role there, it's a, Cali is a small company. If you've ever been there, they have this amazing warehouse, amazing backyard, uh, which is an understatement. Um, but you've got a front office of uh, any given time, a half a dozen people. Got a couple guys doing uh, working a, a vast warehouse. Um, and you talk about your niche. You know, you want people to ride. You want them to be best protected. And you live that that mantra. And, I mean, like I said, that stuck out when I first went, that's Brad Waldron. And ever since that time, that. That's... We, we we got a great crew right oh. now. Um, they just they they really get that message and that mission that it's 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 it, I hate it when the phone goes to the voicemail. Yeah, like, have an interaction with people and and my guys are just you know really into that. Um, you know and and through this time where you know you've got a lot of new riders. Yeah. Um, a lot of returning riders, a lot of people asking questions. Absolutely, we're, we're you know my guys are spending a lot of time on the phone. Um, I'm even taking one day a week um, to relieve somebody and answering the phones. And and some people question me for doing that. Like, man, shouldn't you be doing this or shouldn't you be doing that? But you know, to have that connection with with our our customers, our riding friends, um, just it just gets you gives you so much and. And spending that time, um, you know, hearing what those needs are, you know, it's, it's one thing to go out and ride, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah. been doing a lot lately uh, since I'm not traveling. 
um, and appreciate it. But it's another thing to, to hear from, you know, the people that, that are putting their faith in us and, and wanting to use our product. And, and so I, I, I actually look forward to my, my phone calls with consumers. And if there's, so we, we have that crash replacement policy that yeah, all that's a lifetime deal, right? Yep. I want to, and, and the reason we do it and the reason it started, cause I've been doing this before it was a policy. Like I study these crash helmets. I look at them. I cut them over. And you I do. The I know you do. When they come I in, do. you study them. You um, do. No, I do. I there's do. no stand in. There's no stunt double for you there. <laughs> this is true. And, and uh, although I'm, I'm getting Max on board, um, he's, he's, he and I make phone calls and, and, and often I'll call somebody who's crashed and say, man, how are you doing? Not just to find out how they're doing, but like I might not understand the dynamics of the crash and I want more information. Um, but first of all, and, first, and most of all, we're just glad I'm talking to them um, and, and having that conversation. Absolutely. I think that just stands out is that, you know, I was going to kind of, as we talk about your operation there in Morgan Hill, um, that it is such a family, close-knit group and organization. When you come on board there, you know, everybody knows everybody. Everybody's bike riders. And I'm, I'm talking, hey, it, you could be pedaling it and you could be motoing it. You have, you know, a diversity there in terms of the bike culture that is, that is amazing. And they all bring something to the table, their personalities, their dedication and who they are. And, and I mean, they do become... You, you bring them in as family, but it also goes to the point that I don't know how many companies in America you can call up, America, you can call up or anywhere and somehow talk to the, the owner, engineer, and like I said, chief cook and bottle washer. Um, that's, I tell my guys, the, the sales guys, like, you know, if you have an issue, if there's somebody who needs, um, you know, something, I'm more than happy. I Somebody had a, a, a criticism of, uh, of, one of our uh, helmets the other day and I got on the phone with him and we talked and um, found out this guy had a lot of good information. And so he's going to be one of now, one of my testers for the, the, the second revision. Um, well, it's, that's it's cool. I mean, that's part of, again, that, that's that, I don't know, that stroke uh, that you have in terms of how you look at your company is that everybody can be an asset, whether you're, on the phones and and trying to move product to uh, shops that are selling. It is the bike. We we should be having fun. We should be. (laughs) Dude, we should be. And, hey, while we're talking about family, man, I got it. Everybody's good. Max is everybody's good. Max is so, just one step away from taking over the crown, man. You're going to be back there building designs, and he's... We wrote demo last Friday. That doesn't suck. And he beat me down the hill. He's the first time he's, he's tearing it up in, and, uh, well, it's that four mile climb out kicks his ass. But. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, that's one of those, man, that's the best ride. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Um, trail's awesome. Oh, oh, it is. It's one of my favorite places to ride, but you know, Max is doing great. And I gotta be, say, be honest. I've been very lucky that, you know, to, to watch your kids grow up and move on. And you have, um, you know, you've got a handful of kids, man. It's a mini Brady Bunch over there. Why don't we, uh, where, how's everybody doing? I know Max is doing great, and what a physical specimen. And But you got some uh, kids in college. Uh, yeah, my, my daughter's at the University of Utah. 
in her final year before she goes on to study to be a, a physician's assistant. A um, you? She's a youth. She, yeah, you know all about that. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> she loves it. Um, I drove her back out there a couple weeks ago, um, drove with her, and, and just enjoyed it. Um, and she just, her, her job wasn't open yet. School's not open yet, but she was just anxious to get back out there. And, and she went paddleboarding the other day, and you know all the great things that Utah has to offer. Oh yeah. She's killing it, killing it. Cool. Um, and then I've got. Uh, I got a stepdaughter who's also 21, headed to uh, uh, Slow San Luis Obispo. Nice, fall. nice. And then, and then Sebastian, my stepson, Sebastian, who's 19. 19. He's here picking orders today, making yeah. it through the summer. He's he's also studying uh, JC stuff, but just killing it there too. So yeah, everybody's healthy, good, good everybody's deal. Happy. And you work side by side with your missus. Dude, that's that's uh, it's awesome. I'm not. Hey, I don't want to throw any. I don't want to throw any gas on the fire by bringing that up. But man, you Uh, guys need to give us get give a seminar because I look at the current state of our lives as individuals and bigger scope, the bike industry in the world. You know what the challenge is. um, uh, That alone, but then you. You know, you throw in that everyday interaction, and you know she's she is every bit a part of that industry as you well, or David is. You know, and she's she's the ultra ultra organized person. She's the only one here that understands our process from beginning to end more than me. I'm a scrambled mess. You know, I'm shiny. <laughs> which which way do I? Wait, wait, where do I go now? <laughs> you and me, I like bright things. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, she she's you know it's been amazing. I mean. When you start your own business, when you start something like this, so I remember when this all started and we were motorcycle helmets first and because of a, a innovation that we came up with that, um, frankly, I tried to sell. I, I wasn't looking to start my own brand. I was like, start my own thing. And it was significant enough and still is. And I still believe in it a lot. Um, is it something you'd have to kill me to share? No, with no, no. It's no, it's, it's nobody was in molding. That's a huge part yeah. of your process. It, absolutely. Um, and that's why you can bicycle get... helmets were already in molded. Yeah. But motorcycle, it wasn't possible due to the right. process. And, and we figured out how to do it. And what it did was it made the helmets that, that we could make the shells thinner. So now the energy started dissipating quicker. Right, right. We could make the foam softer. So now you get lower um, density foam next to your head. And so it resulted in a much lighter helmet and a much safer helmet. And it, but when, when the, we, we get really close to selling it to some unknown brand that's now infringing on our patent, uh, that, that, um, <laughs> that somebody, uh, somebody else saw this and said, I'll, I'll back you. So I have one investor and he's been nothing left of fantastic. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and it's never, ever put me in a position to make a decision that I would be, that I wouldn't do anyway, but mm-hmm. never put me question that. And that's why we, you know, we still focus on safety and don't focus on the bottom line. Um, although it does get mentioned. Anyway, but, well, but so. Um, I, I think Charlotte, Charlotte keep that up on the table, brother. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, but I said to, I said to this person, I said, I, but I know nothing about sales and marketing. And what I should have said was sales, marketing, and logistics. Nobody's going to tell you how to get your product around the world. UPS is not going to tell you how to do it cheaper. 
it, it, and it's a big, big puzzle. And that's what Charlotte has. She just picked it up and she just, and she, she enjoys the puzzle part about how do we move our product around the world, get it to the right people, get it there at a cost. It's not crazy. Um, you know, and just, you know, making sure that products getting here on time and talk about a tough time right now of oh. figuring out, you know, how to oh. get your product here. I mean, I mean, it, I, I think, you know, if you had your druthers, you'd just like to test and engineer helmets and produce helmets and you wear a lot of hats. Um, the, everything, you know, I mean, you are, you're, you're involved at every level, but it's part of the choice you make on this, my own opinion, um, the choice you make to be Cali, to be who you are. You're, you know, you're, you're scruffy and ornery like me and you love to ride bikes and you love to drink beer and you happen to have a huge brain. But part of that is, is you have these passions and you've always been passionate about providing better protection. And I look at all those hats and everybody wants to say, oh, hire this person to do that. Hire this person to do that. Hire, well, that wouldn't be Cali. Whether you stumble or you succeed, part of that culture that you've created, in my opinion, and part of that personality that is the brand um, is is that you are hands-on and that Charlotte wears so many hats. You know, that dynamic and that you you bring your family yeah. into it literally, but you also <laughs> bring your employees into your family. And each of them has these great stories that should be told and these uh, great experiences that they share with you. And I mean, I want to I want to uh, transition back to you. And uh, you we mentioned education, kids go in different directions, uh, finding their paths. And it's funny. I mean, Max, I've had a lot of time. I say a lot of and watched all your kids grow up. But I've spent time with Max. And I remember being in your front yard and me trying to help him shoot a basket. And he was small, and I'm and, and 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 we just kept laughing, and and you'd come up and like you'd give me a shoulder, and you're like, dude, this fucking blind guy's teaching my kid how to shoot baskets. I'm the shittiest dad ever. And how he was such a good student, and you know, and I know all your kids exhibit at your daughter when we pick her up, you know, just I just mentioned all the hats you and Charlotte may have, and you, uh, you know, I, yeah. I think about when you, you just have you these. Know, I, I, Man, you're good at what you do, but man, being able to be around your kids, let me finish real quick, is that your kids are reflecting that. They're, they're reflecting sometimes chaotic times, but you've let each one of them take their path, be who they want to be. And they're good kids, dude. And I got to take my hat off to you like that. It's like Roscop and so many other people that I model myself as a dad. And how would I adapt to, God, you have four kids, you know, adults now, you know, Rob raised kids. And I could talk about Gary Gleason again. I'm just, I'm name dropping because these are my friends, but man, I'm a 57 year old dad of a six year old and she owns my shit and I'm in charge of her teaching right now. I've been teaching, you know, school and I like to kid with everybody, Brad, but Hey, according to me and my own evaluation of the work I've done, she should be getting her doctorate tomorrow at graduation, you know? But I just uh, getting glimpses into people's lives, but spending some quality time with you. I just had to make that statement, you know, tough stuff with working with Charlotte and being parents and being individuals. 
and being multitasked at both work, family life, and society, you know, all the stuff that's going on. That This is who I am. This is who I want to be. And that's the point that I want to point out to my audience is that this is about me taking, stealing parts of each one of these people, you know, so I can be a better dude, both in my community, first and foremost to my daughter, my, my wife, and to be a better friend to guys like you. But I'm going to jump off that kind of serious moment and go, dude, <laughs> you went to BYU? <laughs> I did. Hey, and I'm going to piss people off by saying this, but knowing who you are now, knowing you for a handful <laughs> of years, you are not the ilk BYU lets in their doors, dude. How did oh, that happen? It was uh, a long story. I'll make it short. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did grow up in a Mormon family. Yeah, um, big family, right? Had, you got a couple brothers? Uh, or brothers? I got one brother and three sisters. That's um, fair. That's, typical. Yeah. Typical. Um, but I was not into it uh, from a pretty young age. Uh, in Utah, right? You it. grew up in Utah? No, no. I uh, know I grew up here in, in, oh. in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, that's right. Okay. And, and I was actually attending a junior college and floundering, not sure what I was going to do with my life. Here I am, you know, kind of, I won't say barely got through high school, but it just wasn't, I wasn't into it. Um, and so I was floundering going to JC's. I was working with juvenile delinquent kids. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, no shit. Wait, who's, who's running the show there? Who's running the asylum? Okay. Oh, it was, it was, it was, I, I, I got a lead on a job and I, I was about to turn 19 years old at a place called the Santa Clara County Children's Shelter. And, you know, these are pretty tough kids and they needed somebody just to make sure that the kids slept at night. And so I did that for about nine months and they came and said, Hey, you want to do this for real? Like come work the swing shift. And, uh, it, it was, it was, it was different. It was, I did that at that place for five years while I kept, you know, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do in school tried business and hated it. Um, and I was taking, I went back to the JC and took a class in computer aided design. And I'm like, I like this. This is pretty cool. Hey, barely past high school. You haven't taken a serious college class yet. I'm going to be an engineer. <laughs> of course, Brad. <laughs> oh, oh shit. You mean I got to go pack back and take bonehead math? Cause I only took one year of math in high school. So that was a long trip. Here, hold but my anyway, beer. <laughs> exactly. And so um, this professor that I worked with at a local JC, they sent them around the country because they had this really good little CAD program. And he sent them around the country and said, look at um, four-year colleges CAD programs to see what they could learn. And he came back and said, BYU and Boston College have the best two CAD programs in, in the nation, hands down. And, and he knew a little bit about me and my family. He says, can't you get a Mormon discount? And I'm like, well, I, I haven't paid my dues in a while. Let's see. And, and sure enough, um, I was, uh, I, I applied and, and got in and, um, you know, I was a little older. I, I wasn't, I didn't need the college party thing at that point. Yeah. And you're not going to get it at BYU. And, um, and oddly enough, I, uh, I, I, because I had experience working with kids, um, I got a job in a group home and at, and at BYU, you have to live in assigned student housing. housing. It right. has to be approved. And because I worked and lived in this group home, I got a um, waiver. And then, so nobody really, I, I kept so off the radar at BYU. I kept my head low. 
But Brian, you remember Brian Mason, our oh, yeah, absolutely. manager, who also went to BYU. Yep. And I would tell him, I went to BYU for two and a half years and never went to church once. That's impossible, Brian would say. That. <laughs> you, you can't get away with that. <laughs> I did it. Somehow, I did it. What did you dig but, a bunker underneath your bed somewhere? <laughs> No, 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 because I was, you know, working, working with these kids. Oh, I, there you go. You know, living okay. in now, I lived in the home with the kids and okay. like 13 delinquent kids all at once. Wow. And I was in charge. <laughs> oh. that. So, yeah, but, but uh, at the end of the day, um, it, it worked out really well for me. Did you get um, a, did you get a degree in engineering? Is that what your focus was? Yep. yep. It, I actually got a degree in manufacturing engineering. And, um, which is a big part of what you still do. You're, hands you're on. deeply involved hands with on. hands-on. You spend yeah. a lot of time, you know, overseas. Um, I think you have your uh, a, a carbon. Uh, you have some in, a, a investment into a carbon factory there. Carbon factory. Um, uh, I used to. Now I've met with Cali. I just didn't have the time. I yeah. still have connections with it, and I still consult with them. Right. But but, but um, the but, manufacturing part of it. I mean, I just know through our time together, you spend so much time just making sure dot and I's and crosses T's and, you know, making sure the, the manufacturing process goes well. And then of course, the things uh, I, you talked about. I tell people all the time that I'm really a, a, I'm a much better technician than I am an engineer <laughs> that I just, just happen to be able to make it through those classes to get that engineering degree. Well, but you could, I, I love, I love touching stuff. I love building it myself. Yeah. Brother, you know, you talk about just got through sort of thing. You went, I believe, uh, through this process, when you graduated, did you get a job uh, with the with the military? Did you do uh, R and D? Yeah, no, I got a job. At, yeah, at Northrop Grumman. Um, Northrop. All right. First out in the desert, uh, uh, both Palmdale uh, building the B two bomber. Um, the B two is that the yeah, referred that was, to as the stealth bomber? The stealth bomber, yeah, the big wing. Yeah. Um, that was cool because, you know, they hired, they, they, they recruited at BYU because they all thought that they could get your top secret security clearance faster because they, they, you know, you got all these, these, you know, good Mormon boys out oh, there. Oh, the, the pigeonhole you. Yeah, my, my top secret clearance took a little longer than the other guy. <laughs> but, but I finally got it. And I'd like yeah, to I see worked, that report. Yeah. It's like, you lived where? Where were you with this yeah. for these two and, weeks? I'm and like, who were you know. with? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I worked. I worked first there, um, and then when the B two program wound down because technology stripped, you know, outran the de the development of the airplane, um, I switched over to a R and D composites department that, that did a lot of work on F 18s So you, we were changing the F eighteen from a mostly aluminum aircraft to mostly carbon fiber aircraft, and and we want we made it bigger but lighter. Um, because fuel was a problem on the, it was, mm -hmm. the, the, the range wasn't what it needed to be. So that was just, I love that gig. It was really good. I got to work on, you know, Joint Strike Fighter, the one that lost. Uh, I got to work on a few other planes that never saw the light of day. When you but talk yeah, about just, working on them, are we talking about functional design in terms of the materials, um, you know, the fuselage, you know, or other more technical? What, what did you do? On those projects, uh, unless you, you know, like I say, you can't talk about No, it. no, uh, especially on the F-18, that's not a problem. No, they do tell you that it doesn't matter, after, you know, anything secret you talk about, you can't talk about forever. Even if you see it in the media, you know, <laughs> we can still arrest you, whatever. Um, so on the F-18s, though, 
mostly my my job was on structures. Okay. So, like the one project I did was um, the 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 earlier version, the C and D version, had forty seven what we called spars and ribs out of aluminum, and they have to be um, it's just this mass structure to make this the 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 vertical tail mm-hmm. and the F-18, if you think about it, that's the one that the, um, the blue angels fly. It has two vertical tails. So it's got 47 of these aluminum spars and ribs. So we, we redesigned it to have 13 um, because the composite structures overall were stronger and we made it 33% bigger. So we actually made it so that it could hold fuel also. So now you had more fuel capacity, not a lot, probably just enough to barely, you know, uh, uh, warm up the engine, but at least another place to put fuel. So th- things like that. Um, I actually was involved in do- building a $13 million milling machine. <laughs> okay. Why? Wow. Cause they let us, it, well, it was like 40 feet long. It had, you know, it had two heads on it, a water jet head and a, and a five axis mill head. Um, uh, the suction cup pogos out of half the bed. Anyway, long long story. Just stuff that to. But to you, you you uh, something I I think you've mentioned before, and I've heard other people say you go from, you know, working with the military at whatever level that might be, um, in terms of R and D, uh, not the very valued and loved servicemen. You know, uh, you know the troops who I absolutely admire and thank for all of their sacrifices and dedication. But when you're an R and D, I I've heard this before is that you know you have, and this may rile the taxpayers up, but it's 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 that you budget's not a concern, you know that unlimited timelines, unlimited budgets, and, and some things never show up. I mean, you can work on something yep. forever, and it may just get put put in the in the bin, the trash bin, but then you go to the private sector, and then there's timelines, budgets, uh, restrictions in terms of ownership and these kinds of things, you know, um, with Cali, you being the owner, you being the visionary and taking ideas and, uh, using every resource, including people in the other big brains that you work with, you know, still the budget and the timeline, uh, both by what you have to do as a business, but also by market standards, you know, staying ahead, what's up, what's new, um, that's got to be really challenging. It is. Um, you know, I think the fact that we are we are smaller allows us to just look. I got a helmet that I've been working on for two years that people are frustrated with me why it hasn't come out. It's because it hasn't met the the goal of the development that I was hoping for, and I'm still working on it. I just, in fact, I was talking to the guys at Rion this morning, going, I, I still haven't reached my ultimate goal on this on this project. And that's why it's not out. But, it, you know, look, yeah, you have bigger pressures. I've had people come to me with ideas, um, uh, uh, thinking of a specific one on a heads-up display for a motorcycle helmet. And I told the guy, I said, you know, I'm not a gadget guy. If it makes it safer, I'm interested. If it just allows me to talk on the phone and, and give me directions, I'm not interested. Amen, brother. But it, it, it actually is prototype shocked me. I mean, I can see really clearly behind me when you're riding your motorcycle and you know, you're always turning your head trying to see. Yeah. And, it, you know, and it, it, the heads up display showed me my, you know, my speed. Like, you know, when you're going faster than you should be going. Oh, no um, one would do that. You, Brad Waldron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 
I have this GPS tracking thing so my wife knows where Brad I am. Waldron, the bad part of it, my the bad part of it is it will tell you how fast you were going. And one day I, I got home and my wife's like, so I was like, why were you going 130 miles? An hour? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, because I, I got this new helmet and I had to test it for a wobble and I had to see. And I'm just like thinking, oh, God, I'm glad it didn't catch me at the top speed. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I, I digress. But so, so this guy came in with this idea, and I said, you know what? Really, we're too small for this. This is a great idea. Why don't you go talk to, you know, these guys, these guys over, over the hill? And he's like, I tried. I, you know, I, as soon as I got, get one person excited about it, then I got to go to his supervisor. Then he's got to go to his manager, and then he's got to go to corporate to get you know to get funding yeah so it i'm in a very lucky and fortunate situation that that we are the size we are and we are what we are and that that i could take a look at things and go okay you know this is worth pursuing because it follows with our beliefs and what we're what we're trying to accomplish yeah. Yeah. Um, and and like i said you know those those other engineers at those other companies care too they they yeah. they want to do a good job too um, it just gets harder, you know, the more corporate you end up yeah. being. And, and, you know, I mean, bottom lines, I mean, again, through some of the things that have happened recently, um, you know, I, I, I've heard of companies just stopping all their development and letting go the, um, quite a bit of their staff. And, and it's unfortunate. And, and now they're realizing, Oh shit, the, the bike industry isn't dead. In fact, still we're rolling. growing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So anyway, um, it's just, it's nice and fortunate to be, you know, in, in the position that, well, that we're in. Speaking of corporate and that transition to the private world, you, I don't know how long it was, 10 or 12 years you spent with the, with Specialized. And I think you were like a director of development or director of engineering. I'm not engineering. sure. Um, yeah, I started there, um, uh, I started in, uh, well, I got offered a job. It's it, it a long story. I, I had moved back to Northern California for family reasons, not really wanting to leave my R&D aerospace job. So I got a job up here that I just didn't love. And um, there was an ad in the paper back when we used to look for jobs in the paper. <laughs> We're specialized. Um, and, and, uh, and, <laughs> And they offered me a job to do pumps and locks. Okay. And I went, and I went, bike industry, 20% pay cut, <laughs> no money, no budget. I'm in. I'm so excited. I'm in the, to be in the bike industry. <laughs> um, but on my first day there, um, they show up and they said, you know, by the time we hired you and the time, um, you know, you, you were able to give your notice and show up. Our helmet engineer quit. Would you rather that gig? And I'm like, over pumps and locks? <laughs> what do you think? But the, the crazy part of that story is that they said that the, that the test lab technician quit too. Best thing that could happen to me. Because for the next nine months, I tested all my own helmets. I spent the time in the lab. I learned about testing. I learned about impacting helmets. I learned about the failures. Um, I wouldn't trade that time for anything to, to do that. So anyway, I did that for a while. Um, and then there, there, there came a job up that I applied for to do frame design and, um, I didn't get it. 
and and somebody else went to to Mike that if you don't give him that job, he's gonna quit, and I'm gonna quit too. And I'm like, so if I get called into Mike Senior's office and says, I hear you're gonna quit, I'm like, uh, no, I'm not threatening anybody to quit. I never said that. I said I am interested in a new challenge. I would like to you know move on and try something else, and um, and uh, so he goes, well, you can't have that job but I'll keep it in mind. And like six weeks later, he walks and he goes, okay, you're now in charge of all engineering. I'm like, what? <laughs> I went from here to there. <laughs> and at that time, they they kept bike engineering from accessories engineer. You, you weren't allowed to even talk to each other. So it was a weird transition. Wow. So yeah, I, I, I did that for a bit of a time. Um, that person never had helmets in charge of, they were never in charge of helmets before, but that mm-hmm. kind of came along with me. I always say, once you get involved with helmets, you're never going to leave because it's a small incestuous group, and they're going to they're going to pull they're going to pull you back in. It's just great because it turned out well. So I did that for I was in specialized for I think eight years. Okay, um, okay. treated me well. Um, tough place to work, as many people have heard. Um, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> ironically, the biggest reason I left was um, they wanted it at the time, and they reversed this, but they wanted to transition most of their engineering to overseas and i said i was not interested in traveling and i didn't want that job so um we left i, I mean even after that i worked on the first tarmac and robay the first carbon one so i worked wow. on wow didn't you so have I, one of the first I still, have you still have it hanging up it's, it's it's no i ride it it's my only road bike like I, I i get it out once a year just for austerity you have a cover on it hanging up there on the <laughs> yeah. wall there's a cover you got yeah, dusted off i got a ferrari oh that's amazing hey uh so i still have it I, that's kind of was I was going to ask is that uh, bar bar being you know b- with the risk of getting sued by senior you know what are some of those projects that you worked on and helped develop because you know being in helmets and I I am you know true blue true red bleed bleed Cali you know way back in the day when I first I could see was first starting into it that they came with. Um, Right, right around the time Giro came out with that kind, of, that that helmet. Uh, we talked about it earlier. You know, the foam helmet, and then they put the right. the, uh, cover, on the cover on it, and then the plastic the micro shell. Was it the? I don't know what it was called. The seven or something, but it was no, red. The, 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 the sub six. The sub six, and man, I I thought I was a, I could, I shit I can still barely ride a bike, but man, I was the coolest kid on the block. I got one of those. It felt fast. The big vents. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a cool helmet. Did you, what are other things that stand out? You've worked on some bikes and I mean, did you, uh, what stands out from your experience there in terms of things you were able to bring to market? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, the, the, the most important things for me now is, is that time in, in learning about testing and learning about, um, you know, failure modes for helmets and and what happened there um that that just you know started the basis of how i look at developing products and and and, and specifically helmets mm-hmm. how do we make them safer um how do we make sure that we've we've looked at this helmet from every angle we can which is so those, of, are, those are the most most you know important things right now well that's but part of your sure daily was, language I now working on those car yeah you know, I, I just, I think that's part of your language today, the things that you learn both from working R&D with uh, the military, then uh, specialized, and 
now on your own that your language I think is unique in terms of a product designer, engineer, technician, and owner um, that's so valued to you that it's the customer who matters most and the protection you can provide. Hey, I'm going to move to uh, what is probably the elephant in the room, and we've kind of glossed over it a little bit, is that, you know, the current state of uh, uh, the world facing a, a, the, the COVID-19 challenge. And, you know, more, sp and specifically, um, you know, it's a big yikes for everybody and what they don't know about it and what we don't know and how the adjustments ultimately where we'll all fall in this and you know I we all want to become experts and it's obvious online every person I know that rides a bike is now a you know an expert in disease infectious diseases but uh, you know it's it is a big yikes that changed the complexion of everybody's life for in so many ways and moving through it you know as an owner um, you know, we kind of talked about it, how so many parts of the economy, economy have been affected, and in the long term, it's going to have a, a major impact. I mean, in many ways, I can't imagine being a small business owner in Mill Valley or Morgan Hill. Most of those, as we know, shop owners uh, of various kinds, heck, they can't be closed for a week and survive, let alone a couple months, and the fallout from that. But as an owner... You know, you've mentioned that business has been good. You've yeah, moved yeah, through it, inventory. It has. Um, uh, it, you know, when this first happened, you know, when first, you know, March, I think it was 16th, when they basically they announced that we needed to all shelter in place. Uh, for sure, the panic went through me. Um, we're not a big company. We don't have a stockpile of money to ride things out. Right. Um, you know, I, I immediately looked at my bank account and said, okay, how long can we, how, how long can we survive, um, you know, with, with the situation as it is. Um, and and I, I really specifically remember that day because I had some other, we had a lot of things come into me at that same time, actually ran a red light, almost got pegged by a garbage truck just cause I was just like, zoned Holy out shit. what's to, next yeah. you know how are we going to do this but you know um you know we started looking around and we started noticing in my own neighborhood people out walking people out riding their bikes mm -hmm. and my trails and sure yours too oh just packed blown people. up some some returning some new some all the different things and um I started going, well, I remember back in 2008 when the big uh, financial crisis hit and the bike industry actually went up a little bit because people weren't taking those Hawaii vacations. They were staying much closer to home. Now, this was way bigger and way worse because yeah. now you had to stay home. Right. But so we started calling our shops and I, I have to give shout out to, to, to my sales manager, Eric and John and the rest of the sales team is basically they picked up the phone and just called shops and say, how are you doing? What do you need? Not in a sales mode at all. Uh, it was just like, you know, is there anything we can do to help you? And basically it's the, you know, the first week was scared. Everybody's just scared. And then we started yeah. talking a little bit more and they were going, we're slammed. We don't have time. You know, I can't talk to you. Okay, cool. Just let us know what you need. And just that, that 
you know, care about what was going on. Um, just that, that message just came out really strong. And so while other brands were calling their factories and, and, and saying, cancel, cancel all my orders, I was calling and saying, don't, not just can don't cancel, you know, I'm going to need, I'm going to need helmets. And, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I have, I spent a lot of time in Asia. Yeah. Um, I have a good relationship, really good relationship with our factory. And he, he called me up and he goes, are you crazy? What, you know, every one of my customers is canceling. And I'm like, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. People are turning to biking. They need a way out. They need something to do. Um, you know, and, and for the most part, it's, it's, it's been, um, you know, lower price points that have ruled the day, uh, mm-hmm. you know, new riders returning. So when I took my daughter, Hannah, back to, to Utah, I stopped into a shop that I've got to know right there on campus. The guy's on the phone and um, he finally hangs up and he's just shaking his head. I go, dude, <laughs> I just wanted to say hi. He goes, look around. I got 20 bikes that I got to build and I can't get them out fast enough. Yeah because people want to get out and they want to ride. So, you know, we're incredibly lucky to be in a, an industry we love to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're lucky that it's something that people are turning to. Um, I mean, I just feel for everybody who works in the service industries, the, the, the restaurants, the, the, the bars, whatever, you know, we, there's a little local one right around halfway between us and specialized yep. little, little diner called Betsy's. I think we've been there before. Yep. yep. Um, you know, and I was just talking to one of the owners and he said, how's it been going? And they, they're just like, tough, you know, they've been trying to do takeout, you know, and they just were allowed to open for outdoor dining. And all, all I can say is, you know, thank goodness, you know, we didn't have to lay anybody off. Um, oh, staff is intact. Uh, right. our, our, I mean, we have burned through a lot of product. Um, you know, I'm out of all my $40 helmets. I'm out of my, you know, $70 helmets. Um, you know, we're trying to find ways to, you know, find deals to bring prices down so these people can still supply, um, you know, That's... some of those price points that they need. Um, but in general, uh, we feel that our our partnership with our dealers has been really strong and, yeah. and happy with the way our guys are, well, the, the playing are way field. more in the customer service mode, not in sales mode. Gotcha. I mean, the playing, the playing field has changed for who knows how long. And again, it is the unknown that scares the shit out of people, both with, you know, the COVID-19 and, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, the local shop response here has been the same. I, you could go buy that, they change their hours. They change their flow in terms of people coming in and using all the appropriate precautions. Um, and you know, anytime you went by there, you know, I used to be able to walk in and, Hey guys, how's it going? And, uh, you know, they had to change, you know, find your, they were, they, people wrapped around the block yep. of for everything and anything bike. Uh, and it was always, yeah, Bobby, I'd love to do that for you, but we can't touch your bike to, for, you know, three weeks. There's people, exactly. you know, taking numbers to see us first thing in the morning kind of thing. And, you know, so I'm so happy about that in so many ways. But, you know, for the long term, um, do you have any ideas or, you know, highbrows that you want to share about how this will affect the bike industry, the helmet industry in the long run? And part of that, I, I want to add, is that because 
of the overseas uh, pr production being being the main source for helmets and so many other products. Um, how has COVID in these countries, has there been more opening up? Is production getting better? Um, are, are you getting product? Uh, um, yeah. Well, mostly because we didn't, we didn't cancel any orders and we didn't stop any development. Um, whereas, whereas there are companies who said, like I said, stop everything. Don't ship anything. Yeah. Cancel all my orders. Um, you know, so, and those people are screaming now they're going, wait, 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 just kidding. Um, you know, because, because they need product, but remember Asia went through this six months before we did. Right. And so, you know, they, they, you know, they kind of, they kind of in some ways got double hit from the fact that first they had the problem with their own population. And so, they had to shut down just when they started coming out of it. Then the rest of the world starts having their issues. So then all the orders are getting canceled and, and just having the, the workforce and everything set up. Yeah. Um, from, from the people that I talk to, um, you know, it, it's, it's getting more back to normal. Um, you know, again, we are lucky, right time, right place. We had just um, loaded ourselves up for, the you know the 2020 season so we yeah. our warehouses were stocked to the gills and it's not anymore <laughs> but um yeah so as far as where this goes from here i i don't know i stress this every day um yeah. our sales remain to be strong and i'm waiting for it to to fall off but i'm i'm gonna go back to what i said about the financial crisis in 2008 yeah no, nobody's excited to get on an airplane right now no nobody's excited. Nobody's getting on a cruise ship. Um, but no. what you're doing is you're looking at things to do with your family, which is awesome. People going camping more, Completely people spending agree. more time together, getting on bikes in their neighborhood. I mean, uh, where I live, the, the air is cleaner than it's been in years. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I hope this is over soon. I hope that, you know, that, that we're, we are back to normal soon. Yeah, but I hope that we don't just, you know, forget about this, and and go out. Oh, that was a blip, and now you know we need to do everything we used to do. I'm, uh, Bobby. My every time anything went went wrong, my answer to it was jump on an airplane and go solve it. Right. Um. And and that's how I operated this business. It was in where you operate like your I life. Said, Get your hands I'm on a it. Hand. Yep. Fix hands it by leadership. By doing the dirty work and you know and and i haven't i in in february i was in south america i was in ecuador and i was in chile and in the uk all in february i was home four days all of february yeah those aren't risk areas <laughs> exactly. did you have to quarantine now, when you got back did you? i got back before because remember march 16th yes is yes really yeah the day. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I haven't been on a plane since, oh, you know, and, and I'm, it's a new way of thinking. I'm like, man, did I, did I have to do that? Can I, and I'm stoked. I mean, I'm riding my bike more than ever. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I might even get back in shape. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> those things that I thought was, you're the most in gone. shape, out of shape guy I've ever met. 
<laughs> that does I, I, shove a broom up your ass and sweep the floor too, you know, lifestyle. You are amazing. It's, it's awesome to just go wait. Yeah. I'm, maybe I can stay home. And, and I, you know, I think, you know, if we can all, you know, I, I'm the last person to preach to anybody. You got to do things your way. Um, but, you know, I, I hope we don't just, you know, like I said, a blip and, and those dolphins that are showing back up in yeah, the Venice they stay around. canals can can stay there. I mean, it's, it's you know. You know, I, I think you're on point right now about just a big picture, you know, outside of the world we live. You know, so many incredibly difficult issues faced everyday people everywhere around the world is that as we move through this, the ebbs and flows of something we don't, I don't understand it all. I don't know it all. And I try to be as, you know, up to date on it because, um, you know what, you know, I'm mean as and tough as hell that I've had a shit show in my life of, I, I know about ventilators, man. I know about pneumonia. I know about those things that they describe or people write and describe about. And I am immunosuppressed. And I do resent a bit that people want us, yeah, open up, open up everything. And I'm for it, man. I want every business open. I want every industry, part of every industry and every industry to open up. And all I'm asking is that all of us take the precautions about washing hands, distancing, sneeze into your arm, you know, and conduct yourselves as a business if you're allowing people in. You know, to take the basic precautions, and yet it's become so divisive, you know, about whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. And, oh, I had a guy yell at me the other day, dude, you know, um, you know, you're, you're, use your freedoms, man, take your mask off. And I shouted back at him, I'm wearing a mask because I am free. And I have, you know, you know, and, and, you know, I've had these confrontations from people when I'm wearing a mask, walking Ella. Where, you know, they're, Ella's like, Ella's on point. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, back up, back up, back up. Let him go by. <laughs> and have someone run hey, their mouth off. And I've been with you. I I've know. been with you when you've been angry. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm backing up and, you know, people go, oh, come on, man. We're all from the neighborhood. You know, you know, I mean, you know, we all know each other. And this is the middle of it. And, you know, God, you people and your masks. And I might, instead of being teed up because I'm holding my daughter's hand and I, I'm working on those things is to say, how do you know you don't have it? Oh, and the whole, there was 10 people across the street having a party during the middle of this in, in the highly educated and privileged Mill Valley. And someone say to you, you know, we all know each other, you know, we, we don't need to put masks on. I'm like, how do you know you don't have it? And he's like, you know, we just, we just don't. I'm like, have you been tested? And and he's like, whatever, dude, you know, mask, stupid thing. It's not going to save you if you do get it. And I'm like, you know what? You might be right, but how do you know I don't have it? And I, you know, pull my mask down <laughs> and smile. And it's just that, you know, again, that is unnecessary. I, I believe completely unnecessary. People have been wearing masks out of uh, Europe and Asia for a long time for various reasons. If you choose to you wear a mask, wear a mask. If you're high risk... Take all the precautions. You know, the numbers are in favor right now of opening up and being wide open. They're changing a little bit, 
and we don't know where it's going to land. We don't know enough about it. There will be a vaccine. It's just when. There will be better treatments. And the hospitals are showing numbers that the survival rates in California, you know, the morbidity rates really gone down. And speaking, you know, I just had a bunch of cancer chopped out of my leg. And I wanted to know because people are putting hands on me, but they're not going above the waist. And I'm asking them, you know, why are, what's going on? And they're just saying that, well, we understand it a little bit better from the perspective that it's not a mystery when someone walks in with it. There are definitive symptoms and we can test for it and we can treat them earlier and better, which gives them a better, you know, success rate, you know, better outcomes. And that makes sense. It's common sense. But they also say people should, uh, you know, pay attention and live the lifestyles they choose. Um, be patient with others. You know, businesses should op- operate according to what's best for them, what's best for themselves, their families, and their customers. You know, and there'll be varying approaches, I think. Um, and I'm, you know, fingers crossed that after the first of the year we do get a vaccine just like we've got vaccines for other things. And you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I love it because my small world involves bikes and family and, you know, I'm healthy and I, you know, that's great. And, you know, I just, I worry, you know, you sign checks for a, a lot of people, you know, your product puts dollars in the hands of dealers and their employees, um, you know, and to have your insights. And I, you know, one more quick thing about, you know, just business and the overall approach of things have tariffs, completely shifting gears of Taurus increased Taurus bothered your business flow or yeah a bit um we we tried to have it you know as little effect as possible um you know we were able to work with some of our partners uh when they came in and and it kind of helped us split some of the costs with us um it's easy to say um without opening my books and seeing it, showing everybody, mm-hmm. but we, we actually run on a pretty tight margin already. Um, there's not a lot yeah. of, a lot of extra in there. Um, you know, I've, I've had dealers tell me that, you know, they think we could sell these products for more and people have made comments that, and you, 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 you provide this stuff without, you know, yeah. this coming out of another company would be, you know, $50 more or something like that. Um, you know, sometimes I get, I, I, I don't know how to say it. We're, we're not trying to, you know, maximize everything. We're trying to make a good product at a good price. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, for Sea Otter this year, we were going to make mud guards, you know, to give away because I can make them, I can get them for less than a dollar each. And then to go online and find people selling them for $25. Oh, yeah, dude. Mud guards are pissed me off. Yeah. That just, Pisses me off. Yeah, but like, why are you hey, people hey, off like wait. <laughs> You're, I'm talking to the guy that did a helmet exchange at Sea Otter that blew people out of the water. I mean, oh, that's Julian. Blame him. Well, you and Julian both. You had to give it the nod. And I remember that's going true. over there and just you know having a chat with you and Julian, and I literally had to wade through empty boxes and and piles of helmets, <laughs> and it absolutely tossed the helmet industry on its end. It's like, what the fuck? And I, I, I along with these people, but <laughs> I, so giving away mud guards, I still think you should do mud guards. It's rad. 
Hey, um, it is cool. Hey, we're getting towards the end here. I know I'm really milking this for every because I don't get to talk to you enough, and True. I just I miss you so much, and that's no no bullshit. But I've got about seven quick questions, just quick, hard hitting answers. You know, a couple of words, but um, so I'm gonna run them by you, and yeah. uh, and um, future helmets and protection. I'm seeing less is more. You know, uh, for pads and helmets, um, what's your what's your spin? Not spin, you know, but what's your what's your? Yeah, well, I mean, every, I mean, every rider, you know, we, every rider has a different position. What mm -hmm. what they need, what you know. So we, you know, we have quite a vast line now. So what you're looking at with the urban guy, what he needs versus, you know, what what a. a an enduro rider might need is different. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the urban guy, he needs more visibility. He wants to be seen. I mean, to me, riding in San Francisco is way more dangerous than me riding in at demo forest. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we have, we have different needs. Um, you know, the, the lightweight, what I call full face trail helmets, uh, is, is a super hot subject That's right now. And a good one. Invader, um, right? Is that the invader? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, you compare that to you know the the Fox Pro Frame. Pro frame. You look at the the Bell Super. Uh, right. You know, different people have different versions. You're starting to see more and more of those, and I'm actually pretty excited about that because um, there's people who are getting hurt, you know, in in ways that you know those those type of products are are going to help them walk away. Um, I understand that you're not going to want to wear a full face in every situation, but mm -hmm. now with the way some of these are built, they, you, you, like I can put the invader on and I, and I ride it on a cross country ride now for three and a half hours. And, and I'm not like dying to, you, to take it off. You do the full face, traditional full face helmet. Well, you, you, you're yeah. be hanging on your handlebars. Right. That, that, so, that goes right to, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a place like demo. I'm seeing where with, you know, full face too warm, you know, wherever you live demographically, but, you know, so riding demo, you know, I'm not going to tote two helmets. Uh, this is going to be right. a lot of pedaling. Well, you know, throw in Downeyville, throw in Ashland, throw uh, some of these destinations, uh, you know, long, you know, long back country stuff where there's going to be gnar and, uh, you know, that does fit into that wheelhouse. Yep. Um, so that style of helmet, you know, more, you know, more, uh, the variety of riders, all the different delineations within the, you know, being a bike rider and then the specifics. So people, you know, like I said, there's particular helmets for particular styles and, you know, the invader, you know, that all mountain style with maximum protection certainly I think is a, a key. Well, and, and there's some new riders. I mean, the, the, mm -hmm. you know, that, that just, you know, are, will be more comfortable and yeah. just, just like wearing a mask is now not, Oh, a, it's fashionable. a crazy thing anymore, yeah. right? I, You're seeing more of these, you know, before you see somebody with a full face, you know, riding on a local trail and mm -hmm. you like turn your head going, what do you, you know, what yeah. do you think you are? You better be super fast or you're just a geek. Exactly. No, I just want maximum protection. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I suck I, I, and I want to protect it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, a bike shop owner I was talking to you recently um, said, you know, that his wife had just crashed and hit her face and he not just like six months before. She's like, I can't, I can't get her back on a bike. And he, mm -hmm. he was looking at the invader. And he's like, I think I can get her back on the bike with this. I'm like, right on. 
right on. And it's not for everybody. It's not, yeah. it's just some people, you know, are, want to do that. Well, you've worked on that design for some time, you know, the chin bar design, <laughs> yes. you know, trying to, trying to see how effective it is. Does it really help? you know, on impact, but, you know, to see it, you guys come out with it, it's like what you said about the brand and the, and, and about who you are is that you're not going to bring anything out like the helmet you've developed for two years. Roscop shared with me the same thing. You know, I've always noticed they don't bring stuff out. They'll bring something to Sea Otter and be it a paint job or otherwise, but they'll bring bikes out when the product is ready, not before yeah. it. And I, you know, I know that the Invader has been something that's been on and off your desk and to see it come out, um, you know, there it, it's it it fits. And the other, uh, you know, uh, Calimoto has been rebooted and seeing a lot of exposure there on on uh, social media. And uh, how's that going? Moto's Moto's where we started. Yep. Super important to me personally. Um, the Moto's harder, honestly. It's a mm -hmm. harder industry. You've got a lot more money. You're going up against people with, you know, you know, they're sponsoring. You know the, the the big athletes uh, and and very visual. Um, we've always taken a little different tack that it's all about safety, um, and it's been a long grind. And uh, I'm super excited about the direction that we're we're taking now. Um, actually, we're we're going up market, um, and basically making you know mostly all carbon mostly high-end uh, products uh, rather than try and fight it out on the low end and fight for the scraps. Yeah. Um, we're going to be who we are and what we believe in. And, and that's, it's kind of exciting. Um, that's what you it's do, all, man. A little nerve wracking, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more fun to be there. Moto is super important to all of Cali yeah. because the technologies that get developed generally get developed on a motorcycle helmet first. Mm -hmm. There's more room to play in margin and things like that. Um, in those areas first. So what we learn on the moto side is heavy part of our R&D. Yeah, I mean, the, the Shiva comes to mind, you know, the first, I believe, the lightest and first helmet that was both ANSI approved as well as DOT. You could use it on your moto, go change out and go downhill on your mountain bike. That was a pretty big technological step forward that I don't think gets enough uh I don't, I don't want to say credit because I know that's not what you're after, but I think that was an innovation that people don't aren't really aware of. You know, well, it's it's a it's a relatively you know it is a lightweight motorcycle helmet, and it's it's many downhill helmets weigh more than it. Yeah, and yeah. and so it it's something. I mean, it, it, you want less mass on your head. It's simple high school physics. Force equals mass times acceleration. Mm -hmm. Reduce the mass. You're going to reduce the force. Yep. You yep. control the acceleration. I can't control you yeah. on that. But instead of a um, big bobblehead, you've just got yeah, something that just, works with the brain dynamic yep. and head dynamic. Okay, I'm going to move through these really quick. Okay, uh, sorry. What are you riding now? 29 or 27.5, and <laughs> what bike? I I hear rumors. Uh, I I am on a 27.5 plus. Um, 2.8 tires, 2.6. What do you? 2.8. I like it. I, I, um, run the fat right story, on. story, uh, make it quick. Um, I love my Bronson. Yep. Just yep. love my Bronson. It was, I'm a big fan. Yep. Um, the, the, 
the issue is, is I started riding some other people's bikes yep. that had the plus tires and my Bronson could not take, um, bigger tires. Yep. Um, right. I still ride my Bronson on mm-hmm. occasion just cause it's, it's there and I still love it. Yeah. Um, but I did, what you uh, go to just, I just started riding within the last month, a pivot switchblade. Nice. Those are brilliant yeah. bikes. Brian I, Mason, if you listen to this, it's all right, yeah. brother. I love you, man. <laughs> I learned a ton from you the time we spent together. You're a good man, I, dude. Way to get a I, good man on a good bike. Yep. Yep. I appreciate them helping me out. Oh, they, that's great. The, the 29, I tried it with the 29 first. Yeah. And I just didn't love the, the 29s. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've probably ridden a half a dozen different 29s. And I've just, for me, the it, I just, that that flow it's that a you feel, have on them. You know, it's yeah, a feel. It's, it's not for me. And so, um, I'll have to say this when I first started on the 20, on the 29, on the, on the switchblade, I was like, oh, I made a mistake. But <laughs> when, when I switched to the 27.5, I am in love. I love that bike. Now. That's so, great. I'm good. All right. Yeah. Another question. Last vacation, not including these on and off times through this. When's your last legit vacation? You and you and Charlotte headed out of town. Oh, damn. I can't remember. Well, then you two need to go I, on a vacation. Uh, I, Charlotte, she listen up, love. <laughs> get him and you, get your carcasses out. Go drink adult beverages she and did, sit by the beach. She did come with me to um, Ecuador and Chile. That doesn't it, count. It you was still... work, but we got some, we got some, <laughs> we got to see some cool stuff. You guys got to, for a week or two, divorce your shit from Cali and go enjoy each other because i know you are both hard working hard working people all right a couple quick more um you know you uh, we both have a love for firemen and our civil servants um how's dave doing dave is awesome you give him a big hug and a kiss for me and tell those gentlemen thank you actually gonna see him this afternoon i will make sure that he gets that message and you you take care of so many anytime i ever asked that you know i had a you know an officer uh and i know Right now, that's a almost a bad word, which I don't support. I know that, like anything, one bad apple can turn a whole lot of people sour. Um, but I, I, I know so many outstanding individuals that were uh, police officers and, of course, firemen, people I grew up with that are still tremendous people and will always be tremendous people and fair people and loving and caring people. And Dave is certainly one of them. And you have always supported that that crowd, and I just want to thank you for them. You know, and this, like I said, especially the firemen. Um, a lot of those guys raised me, and uh, Dave comes to mind. And I just wanted to give him a give him a shot and say, Dave, I love you, man. Can't wait till we all can get together. Uh, what was your first bike, kid? Say that again. First bike. <sighs> Uh, man, I don't even remember what brand it was. It was uh, it was a, 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 some sort of BMX style bike um, that wasn't a hand-me-down. The first one was a hand-me-down for my brother. It was a Schwinn. It had a sissy bar on it, and it had high high 
handlebars, you know? <laughs> That's right. I had to think about that for a minute. Yeah, you know, the typical Schwinn. Schwinn. Yeah. I love yeah. the sissy bar reference. Well, you know, you and I can appreciate that. Ask that to Banana us. seat. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, ask a millennial to like a sissy bike? What? Um, <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, I already think I know the answer to this one. What music uh, would I find on your Ray Dayao if we got in for a ride in your truck? Oh. <laughs> what channel? What are you listening to? You know, lately... I've been listening to a lot of John Prime, uh, you right. know, American folk. I still listen to ACDC. I still of course, love 4 you, you, for rock and roll. You, but you yeah, in a little country, a little country rock kind of thing. Gordon Lightfoot, if you will. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, Loving you know. that, and, man. All right. I have to admit it. I'm a bit of a parrot head. Anything that talks about a boat. A beer or a margarita, I'm wait, in. Wait, I, I remember you, you had a, a sailboat or spent some time on a sailboat. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I could do live. a boat. But I think before you said that, it was like, kill the lawyers or fire all the lawyers, and I'm gonna Here's go live on a boat. Yeah, no, yeah, I lived on a sailboat for a while, and I actually have Charlotte convinced to try it with me uh, oh, when yeah. we're free and clear. Um, and and she wants to go to a little latitude, something a little warmer. Yep. Me, I don't I don't care. Yep. Just be on the just water. Just be on the water. Um, oh, that's man, that's the, great. The simplicity of life. If you I can see you being a pirate. Get rid of one. Little yeah. squinty eyed, half closed. <laughs> Properly worn, EB says I be a pirate. Well, okay. And in closing, um, I got to mention Cali HQ there in, in Morgan Hill. Had some great parties. You got the half pipe inside. Were you selling all those helmets? You're going to put a little skate park in there now? Scale more space? Just kidding. Uh, actually, I just this weekend moved it outside. Oh, awesome. And, and it's gone. It's blown up. The kids are all over it. Well, um, that just goes to what I was going to quickly add is that, you know, you in that local community, but also just with riders of all ages uh, and all abilities, you value people for who they are. And oftentimes who they are has been outside the bike and you are such a great resource for young riders and, and encouragement and opening your doors there at Cali. And, and I, you know, I, many of you don't know what, you know, dirt jumps are tabletops and half pipes, you know, it's a style of riding requires a lot of effort and, uh, and property and just, you know, you open your, open your doors literally and always have for athletes, men, women, of all backgrounds and um you know the cali compound is one that just is it's a magnet in your local area but i just want to say for everybody who's a cali fan out there that has received support the time you give one-on-one -on -one to each of us it's you talk to us as individuals like you've known us a million years and it's always a, about us and uh the support you give to the industry as a whole i just i want to thank you for um and in closing, you know, Brad, I can't say enough. I miss you and so much. Um, I love the time we've gotten to spend sharing with who you are to my audience. And to my audience, please understand the, the thoughts, concerns, and our opinions shared on the way Bobby hears it between Brad and I. That, those are our opinions. And, um, you know, uh, if you want to, you know, talk about the show, please hit me up at you know, um, racing at Gmail. 
ask any questions that you want uh, and and show suggestions. And uh, I know Brad's got to get to work. And please don't hang up on me, Brad, while I close this out because I'd love to say goodbye when we're off, off mic. But again, I want to thank, uh, number one, Brad Waldron uh, from Cali Protectives for uh, being here and taking the time. Time is the most valuable thing we have. Um, I also want to thank uh, Santa Cruz Bikes, of course. Uh, you know, Cliff, SR Suntour, Lazine, Crank Brothers again, Census Grips, um, you know, Jiro, Wiley X, Royal Clothing, uh, WTB, um, 22 Alchemy, um, and all of you who, who take the time to listen. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And please uh, be, be aware and safe. Uh, conversations between each other is where everything starts, turns into action. We need more conversations about who we are as people. And uh, stay healthy out there. A lot of unanswered questions that are going to frustrate people in so many ways. Do what's best for you and your family, first and foremost. Look next door to that friend of yours um, and, and think of them and their background and, and what they're facing. And, uh, you know, we're going to come out. Let's don't Let's don't return to normal. Let's return to better. Thanks again. I'm Bobby McMullen, and uh, this is The Way Bobby Hears It, and thanks for tuning in. <laughs>